Hello, and welcome back to The Perfect Pitch. Today, we continue our series of bonus episodes recorded here at the Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity. I'm your host, Hunter March. It's a perfect pitch. And it sounds so good. It's a perfect pitch. Just like you know it could. Today, I'm excited to hear from Joshua Burke, the global head of music and culture marketing at Coca-Cola, and Tiago Cruz, chief creative officer of Grey Group. Together, they sat down with one of our producers, Jessica Levinson, to talk about creativity, the art of the pitch, and all the news coming out of this year's festival. Over to you, Jessica. Josh, Tiago, welcome to The Perfect Pitch. Thank you very much. Super happy to be here. So great to be here. Thank you for inviting us. How are you guys doing? It's day four of Cannes. Dragging a little today? A little bit, a little bit, not going to lie, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been a very productive week and get to hang out with a lot of cool people, so can't complain. It's actually your fault, by the way, because (laughs) the reason that we feel like this is because of your epic parties that happen every night. So for someone who's never been to Cannes before, can I ask you to set the scene? Why do people come to Cannes? Why are you guys in Cannes? There's a lot going on. I think there's something for everybody. If you're into gaming, if you're into film, if you're into music, whatever it is, there's something here that will inspire you and you're going to take it for you know, the rest of the year until we come back in 2024. It's also a lot of fun, too. For me, you know, it's great coming from a brand like Coca-Cola to be here and see not only all the work that we've put out across our different brands, but also, as Tiago said, to learn from each other in terms of, like, what's next, you know, what are the trends, you know, what's creatively hitting right now. From a music perspective, you know, there's so, like, the whole industry is out here. So for me, it's like, you know, a big party of just bringing people together that you never really see outside of individual meetings or like, unfortunately, like Zoom calls all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just a lovely opportunity to just connect. And, you know, we've done a lot of deals already out here, deals in quotes, but, you know, a lot of a lot of cool things set for next year already done. Yeah. Can. Well, let's you talk a little bit more about like that intersection of music, advertising, creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that like music and advertising is intrinsically tied, but where does your role sit at that intersection and how do you see that interplay specifically at Coca-Cola? Josh is the intersection. So my role at Coca-Cola, so I'm the global head of music and culture marketing, um, which is a big role, fun role, and a challenging role. You know, music and brands or music and marketing has changed and evolved a lot in the past you know, year even. Traditionally, when you talk about music and brands, I'd say 99% of it was either licensing a song for a television commercial or having a paying a celebrity artist a bunch of money to hold the product and smile, right? We used to build ads and then music was the thing that was like inserted after the fact. What we've transitioned to now, which is really exciting and sometimes honestly a little terrifying, um, is really acting music first artist first. We believe at the end of the day, when we're trying to work with an artist as a brand, work in music as a brand, the ultimate goal of that is to, you know, ingratiate yourself with that artist audience because you're trying to essentially convert those fans into consumers. And what we've been doing historically forever and ever and ever is manufacturing storytelling for those artists to talk to their own fans, right? And then we measure and we wonder why sometimes this isn't really hitting. So what we've been doing lately, and actually what Tiago and I worked on a a really exciting project with Rosalia on is 
kind of giving the keys more to the artists and really acting in a music first capacity. Mm -hmm. So instead of creating like a jingle and like, you know, bing bong or bum bum, like whatever, like putting like an audio branding in or whatever it is, right? We actually work with the artists making music that they want to make. And we actually work with them also on the creative storytelling because they're the ones that need to connect with their audience because that's who we're trying to connect with. So far, the artist community has responded very well because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about bringing people together and that authentic connection with music. So it's it's actually really exciting. Yeah. And music is sort of like the great connector, in my opinion. I feel like the, there's food, there's maybe soccer, and then there's music. And those are the three things I think that really connects people globally, that everybody can find something to identify with. When we started that project with Rosalia, the first meeting that we had with her in Atlanta, and I remember you saying, Josh, that this was a career. Yeah, that was a really fun, really, like her presence in that room was so... Like, we yeah, felt like we were in the presence of a true artist. They literally co-create their own, like, Coca-Cola flavor variant product. And then we work with them to build their creative story around that. And so we had Rosalia come to Atlanta. And, you know, her, her whole story coming up has all been all about transformation. Like, she started as, like, almost like a classically trained, like, flamenco singer. And then went into more niche and now more pop and all these different, she's had different sides to her, right? So her whole story was about transformation. And then the product name was called Move. And it was all built around that idea. She wanted to make a flavor that felt unique, just like she is, and edgy like she is, but also something that transformed when you drank it. So if you guys ever heard the song that she created for the campaign, it's called Lie Like You Love Me. She actually has a little Easter egg in there that she mentioned some of the ingredients of the, the flavors. Yeah, actually, so go to Spotify, listen to the song, <laughs> yeah. oh get those God. streaming numbers up for Rosalia. Yeah. That'll yeah. be fun. It's a 360 yeah. plug. And yeah, the, fun part, cool. the fun part about the flavor is not just the ingredients themselves, but we actually try to create something that transforms in your mouth. So yeah. as you sip it, the flavor goes from something a little sweeter to a little spicier at, at the back end. So just that process of working with the R&D department at Coke yeah. was super fun as well. So you guys sound like you have dream jobs. How did you like end up here? I mean, I think from the agency perspective, it's more of like a clear path. But in terms of like music at a brand did you start off in the music industry or did you start off on the brand side i've been in music my whole life i was a musician uh i went to school in chicago and studied jazz performance so i played saxophone professionally for a long time and that led me to a company in chicago that created music for ads with emerging real talent versus you know like an agency or like a jingle house or whatever that company partnered with coca-cola in 2011 as a result, I moved to Coca-Cola with that company. One thing led to another, and then I joined Coca-Cola. I realized that I spent my whole days, all of my days, in talking about music, but I never actually worked in the music industry. So in 2017, I left Coke, and I went for like a university stint, like four years, exactly four years at Universal Music Group in London and then L.A., and then about a year and a half ago, I came back to Coke. So I kind of done, you know, the music side of things, agency side of things, the music industry side of things, and the brand side of things. So it's, for me personally, it's been like a really cool journey to be able to see it from all angles. Very cool. I suffer from severe job envy with you, Josh. Like, this is the best job in the world. I know. Mm. So this idea of co-creation is awesome. And I can see how when you're really just handing the creative keys to the artist, there's so much potential there. But when you're in a meeting with like your CEO of Coke, how do mm -hmm. you how do you make that connection between all of this like really creative, awesome work that you're doing and 
putting out music, how do you connect that back to like right. selling soda? Yeah, it's a really good question. And one, if we didn't have the answer to, we wouldn't be able to like do what we're doing. In this space, when you're trying to do something like working with talent authentically, a big consideration for that is where are the guardrails and what are the ways that we can make sure that the brand is inserted in a way that is recognizable to the, you know, to the fan, to the consumer. Part of that is having a very clear strategy for the different brands. So if, as an example, I'll give you an example between Sprite and Coke. Like in music, we say Sprite is the me brand and Coke is the we brand. And another way to put that is if Coke and Sprite sponsored the same festival, if you turn the camera towards the stage, it would be a Sprite activation. If you turn it towards the audience, it would be a Coke activation, right? Coke and music is all about bringing people together. We, we actually just launched Coke Studio, the musical expression for brand Coke. And the premise of that is all about creative collisions and bringing two or more artists from different cultures, genres, generations together to make new music. And that through line is important because Coca-Cola's philosophy as a brand is not only authenticity, but bringing people together across borders and celebrating diversity and inclusivity. So that's one way. Sprite is all about you know, their brand platform is heat happens, stay cool. And, you know, for an artist or for any of us, heat happens is something that we all can relate to. We all have our own heat. Me and Tiago certainly have heat this morning after our night last night. <laughs> Enjoying some AC right now. Yeah. And the way we're staying Finally. cool is by doing this cool <laughs> podcast right now. But when we work with artists for that, you know, we, we tell them to write music that discusses how they stay cool in the face of their heat. You know, like Coyle Ray uh, did a, a really great song for us last year under the Sprite Limelight program, is called, where she was talking about the polarization she has on social media. Like, she has a million fans, and, and she was talking about what is that, you know, how, like, how does that actually impact her day-to-day -day life to have, like, the different polarization of fans. So th there's a brand link in these stories. Also, we're including, like, the pack, like, the cans a lot. So, like, very tactically, but also very importantly, like you can like scan the can to win concert tickets, scan the can to hear exclusive music content. So if there's an actual, like you have to buy the product in order to unlock the stories that we're trying to tell. And we still do the artists with the product shots and we still do the social media things, but it's a balance. We, we're still a brand, but we understand that in order to like really move the needle and connect with people, especially young people, we can't broadcast at them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And if there's one brand in the world that can do that, it's Coca-Cola, right? It's a brand that is so ingrained in everybody's lives. And there's an authenticity there, too. It's not a brand that's trying to force itself into any conversations. It's already there. It's already part of culture. Yeah, I mean, Coca-Cola, obviously, just like an iconic brand. You can span time and space. Okay, hot trend this week. Everyone's talking about AI, blah, blah, blah. But for music and generative music, it actually is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. AI putting out actual records like what do you guys think from a music perspective are you scared of ai do you see it as a tool there's no question that ai and music is a is a hot button topic right now and can be a little bit divisive my point of view which i think is probably reflected with the music industry's point of view is you know this idea of ethical ai you know like it's not about taking a famous artist's voice and manipulating it and making new songs that sound like this and putting it out and monetizing it, like that to me is a no-go. I think that if we work with AI and the capabilities that are available to us now to you know, innovate in a way that is 
again, you know, ethical for artists and in partnership with artists and the rights holders, then that to me feels like a nice space. There's a lot of different things that AI can help with. And I think a lot of people think that it's just about like replicating someone's voice or whatever, right? But, you know, it can actually enhance the quality of the music. It can allow for different genres to be created off of a single track and you know that could also help with like the traditional content creation and advertising where you're trying to make a bunch of music for you know digital ads or whatever like on that level but then all the way up to the artist and i'm very strong on this and i'll keep saying it over and over again everything that we do as a running music needs to be in partnership and respect to the artists and the music because those are our partners here so I'll say that, you know, the ethical, ethical is like all caps <laughs> when it comes to AI. But I do think it's exciting. I mean, it can be scary because it just changes things, you know, but we ch things change uh, all the time. But I do think that the opportunities probably outweigh the risk as long as we keep it ethical. Well, look, I saw a video the other day that gave me a lot of hope and changed my perspective a little bit on this whole conversation, which was Damon Alburn talking to Zane Lowe. They were like in Damon's home and blah, blah, blah. They were just walking around and then Damon had a little toy keyboard on his desk. And they were talking about music and I think they were talking about AI actually and just music creation, the creative process. And Demo was like, hey, do you want to hear something cool? And he hit a button and you could hear the beat like, dun, 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 the classic gorilla song. And Zane was like, wait, is that where you got the song? I was like, that is the song. So like people talking about like computers taking over and making music without artists. Like, but music has always been about sampling, about borrowing from other sources, about getting inspired by different things and whatever else is out there. So that gave me a little bit of hope to see that artists are already playing with like pre-made things and they just take it to a whole different level. Um, I don't know. It felt very inspiring to see that a massive artist like Damon Albert, it's not that scared. He actually sees this as a new tool that is going to just help bring his dreams to life. You know? Yeah. Last question. So Spotify obviously started off as a music company. We've moved into podcasting. We're moving into audiobooks. And we're seeing that time spent listening to podcasts isn't necessarily cannibalizing music consumption. But do you guys listen to podcasts? And does that triangulate your world? Or is that, do you think of podcasts separately? I love podcasts. I'm proud to say that I listen to my podcasts on Spotify. <laughs> I listen to podcasts mostly when I'm on the go, like when I'm either driving. I live in LA, so when I'm driving or, or actually when I'm running, which is kind of weird, but my job is music. So sometimes I want to like give my ears a break and like listen to something. We were just talking about this in a, in a previous meeting, but you know, to me, like podcasts are kind of like they keep you company, you know, because they're voices and you know, the host driven content, you feel like you're part of the storytelling. But I, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Rick Rubin specifically. And anything that that man puts out, I'm going to listen yeah, to. Yeah, he's the man. And he has like three podcasts going on right now at the same time. I don't know how he finds time to do all that. But I just find it so inspiring. Everything that the man touches becomes just so many nuggets. Isn't his show with Malcolm Gladwell? Yes. Yes. Broken record. Yeah. So good. <laughs> just like a lot of headiness in that pairing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is Heavyweight by Gimlet. What's that about? It's a master class in storytelling. It's this guy, Jonathan Goldstein, who finds people who basically have like an ax to bury, like something that happened to them at some point in life, big or small. Some of these things are catastrophes and some things are just these little bee in your bonnet that you just haven't been able to get past. And he helps them basically like go back into their history. And it's sort of like investigative journalism and he's calling people from their past and 
helps them to come to terms with what happened. But it's just like masterful. And that he's sounds like great. Such an artist. Yeah. Heavyweight. It's awesome. Heavyweight. Oh, definitely check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we head out, last question: Who are you guys listening to? What's your number one music recommendation? Well, I'm in a world right now that I'm trying to get out of, but I'm stuck in it where only Rosalia and the Arctic Monkeys <laughs> exist. <laughs> Their new album is so good. The car, highly recommended. It. It's a whole vibe. And yeah, but that's where that's where I am. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing my job right now if I didn't say my friend and brilliant musician, Mr. John Batiste, who we just collaborated with for Coke Studio. As a jazz musician, but as a fan of all types of music, I think John Batiste embraces a lot of that. You know, he's obviously a prodigal pianist, but he's also doing pop and he's picking in different elements from all different types of culture. So I'm I'm really I'm really loving John's whole vibe right now. Nice. All right, Josh, Tiago, thank you guys so much for coming and being a part of this. It's been really fun. Have a good rest of your week at Cannes, and we'll see you back. In, this was great. Thank you for having us. Bye. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, well, I feel like we have a really clear plan of action here, team. After this, we've all got to sit back, crack open a Coke, and listen to the Arctic Monkeys' new album. And hey, if you close your eyes, put your thermostat at 95 degrees, and turn the volume up really loud, you might even feel like you're at Cannes. Anyway, thanks for listening to this bonus episode of The Perfect Pitch. If you'd like to learn more about our guests today, please visit CocaColaCompany.com. That's Coca-ColaCompany.com and Gray.com, G-R-E-Y.com. See you next time. Bye. The Perfect Pitch is executive produced by Jesse Burton and Katie Hodges for Awfully Nice and Jessica Levinson and Frank Lobello for Spotify. The episode was produced by Amber Von Shassen with production support from Bang Audio Post. Sound design and mixing by Nick Cipriano. Theme written by Brian Jones. Scored by Timo Ellison and Brian Jones. And don't forget to follow, rate, and review The Perfect Pitch wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.